Amen. Give Sister Sydney a big hand. Well done. Thank you.
thank you, Carissa. Before we begin the message tonight, I want to uh, just say a word about Friday night activities. Uh, my turn at bat was this past Friday night, as Pastor mentioned this morning, and I don't know about the uh, half a dozen or so that were there, but I had a wonderful time, and we started on time, and uh, we ended on time, and I think those are two important points. You need to know that we're going to start at 7.30, and we're going to finish about 8.40, 8.45, and if it goes longer than that, it's not my fault, is it, Gene? That's correct. Now, I asked Gene that because I want to commend her. I, I think a word of advertisement needs to go forth. Just because I work with Jude 22 doesn't mean that my session on Friday night is for men only. Guys, I love you. Okay? Men are they're not so sure where I'm going with that, so they're just going to sit there numb and dumb. All right? But ladies... Uh, I would like to invite you to come. Now, I'm not up to bat again for another six weeks. And the way the format is, as you know, we have four uh, different men. We have activities every Friday night. And when there's a special activity like Valentine's Day, which I think Pastor did a very admirable, hit the nail on the head about Valentine's Day. So I'm not going to say anything to you guys. He's, he said it all. Just a reminder of what he said about Valentine's Day. So we don't have our Friday night session. And then March is the Beast Feast. So it'll be another six weeks. So ladies, I'm not going to harass you. <coughs> but I may kindly remind you uh, when it's my time again. And what we're studying is the, the biblical mechanics of meditation. And an underlying theme is lest ye fall. Now, you don't have to have wrestled with an addiction in your past or be wrestling with an addiction in your present to need the biblical truth that we're going to be looking at in my sessions. We're going to teach you how to take a passage of Scripture and do more than just read it. We all do that. But... 20 seconds, not 20 minutes, <laughs> 20 seconds later, do you know what God said to you in that passage? Uh, let me think about that. No, you shouldn't have to think about it. If you had read, meditated, understood properly the first time through. And, and that's our goal. And so it's not just for those who may be dealing with addictions or uh, or have had addictions, and whatever, lest ye fall. If you have a heartbeat tonight, you're a candidate for spiritual failure. Say amen. Yeah, I know, we don't like to admit that. But the enemy of our soul delights in nothing better than taking us down. And it doesn't always come with hardcore addictions. It comes with the routine of living this life putting one foot in front of the other. So I encourage you, overcomers is this Friday night, and the others will be coming in their turn. And ladies, don't let Jean come alone. No, she, she is uh, going to be my, she's my warrior for me. You should have seen her. She walked in, and she looked, and very quickly she realized, I'm the only lady here. I, I, I understand, and to her, 
to commend her. I, I promised her tonight that I would not promise not to embarrass her. And uh, I felt like you all ought to know that Jean has broken the ice. So you come next month, be her friend, and partake of what the Lord has for you. Open your Bibles this evening to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to look at two verses here tonight, and uh, when I reminded the sound room what the text was tonight, I said this is a springboard text. It means we're going to start here, pick out one or two words, and spring into some other areas. We're not going to exegete this passage or, and uh, stay in this book, but it's a good starting point for what I want to talk about tonight, and that is the call of God on your life, or the missionary call. Or try to answer the question, is God still calling men to be pastors? Is God still calling men and women to the mission field? Is God still calling people to full-time vocational Christian service? Well, a lot of people tonight, they're not sure. And by the response that we see coming out of our Bible colleges and seminaries and our churches for full-time Christian vocation, we need to address this subject. And with our young people, I'm always encouraging them and telling them, reminding them, you'll never hear the voice of God if you're not listening for it. And you won't recognize the voice of God if you're not spending time talking to God and listening to the voice so you'll know, oh, that's God calling me. That's God speaking to me. It's God that wants me to do this. You see, if we understand who he is and we're in tune with his voice, our perspective will change because we're dealing with with almighty God and all of his power and glory and in the vernacular of the youth, awesomeness of his being. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 15. Not boasting of things without our measure, that is, of other men's labors, but having hope when your faith is increased that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to our hand. Let's pray. Father, thank you tonight for the opportunity to share the thought of your word. I pray that you'd open our minds and hearts of understanding, that we'd hear what the Spirit of God has to say to us tonight, corporately, but most importantly, individually. Father, help us not to be distracted. Help us to be silent in our spirit. And may you, Father, glorify yourself in our midst. And perchance there be someone here who does not know Christ as their personal Savior and Lord. May this become a night of salvation for them. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. There are varied and conflicting views about what constitutes a missionary call. And this often confuses people especially young people. To determine what constitutes a call from God, we must build on the scriptures. We've 
know that when we have missions revival and, and conference and we see all of the slides and the presentations and the wonderful music, <laughs> our heart flutters. And we're going to go to every field that's presented in any given year. We see a need. A need does not constitute a call. We cannot meet every need. But there are specific needs for each and every one of us that we can meet. And it behooves us to get alone with God and to determine through the scriptures what that need is that you and I alone can be used by him to meet. It's not about an individual's experiences. You all have various and sundry experiences. You have various and sundry talents and abilities, and that's wonderful. But what saith the Lord? And that's where sometimes, most of the time, we don't have a clue. There are certain basic elements in a missionary call, but the call itself comes to individuals in various ways. You know, we've had many conferences, you've been part of them, I've been part of them, and we hear the missionaries tell their testimony. And while there's a general call, the call for each individual missionary is unique to their own being. It is individual. And unless you're used to spending time one-on-one -on -one with God, knowing his voice, listening to his word, you may miss something very specific that God has just for you. The Great Commission it's incumbent upon all of us as believers, as Christians. But the individual parts on how to fulfill the Great Commission and the method God uses is individual. So let's start with questions. If you were there on Friday night, you know I like questions. I'm not always going to make you answer them. But again, I don't promise not to make you answer them. I like to leave myself a way out. What is it that God wants you to do that you're not already doing? Oh, you mean he has more for me? I, I don't know. <laughs> it's possible. But what is it that God has for you to do that you're not all ready doing. Now, I start here in 2 Corinthians because Paul is in chapter 10 and, and, and parts of chapter 11, the first seven verses, he is refuting the false teachers. And he's at battle with them. And that's not my goal tonight is to refute the false teachers. That'll be for another time. But I like what he says here in verse 16, to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. He tells the false teachers, I'm not building on another man's foundation. I'm not stealing another man's labor. 
And I am emblazoned. I, I am spurred by that which is in me to go beyond where I am now. To preach the gospel in the regions beyond. And listen, he says, and not to boast. Not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to our hand. I want to challenge you tonight with the regions. Oftentimes I say, I talk to you about your sphere of influence. So you just, well, you can't, you don't have to stand, but if you're standing, I just say, turn around. You've completed a circle. Anyone that comes into your circle now, your space, if you will, that is your sphere of influence. You always have with you your sphere of influence. So wherever you go, wherever you are, with whomever you are addressing, you have a sphere of influence. How do you use that? Don't answer. Are you ready to use that? Don't answer. See, that's your region. Where you are at the present time, that's where God wants to use you. And if you're not letting him use you right where you are, what makes you think he'll use you anywhere else? He won't. So, your testimony is in that sphere of influence. Your speech is in your sphere of influence. What you laugh at is in your sphere of influence. And everybody who's coming in contact with you, day, night, anywhere, is in your sphere of influence. Paul says in this first region, I call it the region beyond, this was the incessant call that rang in the ears of the Apostle Paul and sent him from country to country to country to make Christ known. It was that call that sent him to win souls, to establish churches. And he stated that it was his rule, like that, his rule to preach the gospel in the regions beyond. I had a unique experience on Thursday, I believe it was. Yes, Thursday. I was doing my thing, which is, you know, is Ubering. And uh, I was having a wonderful day, and I picked up one client and took him to the Reagan Airport. And before I could escape the airport, I got a call to go from uh, departures to arrivals. And I went down to arrivals, and it was just about rush hour in the afternoon. And I picked up a mother and a daughter, and they had a porter helping them, and lots of luggage, and I got out, helped the porter, we put things in the trunk. Uh, the daughter got in the front of the car, and the mother got in the back of the car. Of course, at that time, I didn't know they were mother and daughter. But before I could get my seatbelt strapped, from the back seat, on the passenger side, sir, we're here because of a family emergency, you need to get us there just as fast as you can. 
Woo! They had entered my sphere of influence. <laughs> I'd already been working about eight hours that day. Normally on Thursdays, I put in 12, 10 to 12. I smiled in the mirror, looked directly at that lady, and I responded, ma'am, I am so sorry to hear you're under such duress. I assure you, I will do the very best I can to get you to where you need to be as quickly as I can. Let's pray that traffic will cooperate. See, there's a little dart. Right then and there, she knew she was in the presence of an individual who talked to God. Now, she may have thought I was crazy. Doesn't matter. I laid a little seed. And I knew from where we were, are to where we were going, we're going to have about 30 minutes together. Long story short, by the time I got them to their destination where they were dropping their luggage, picking up a car and going on to the hospital where the husband father was in ICU and not expected to live. I had the privilege of sharing the gospel with them, giving them one of my, this is your life tracks from the back seat, asking for specific information about the name, the correct spelling, and then explain to them that we are a missionary-minded, missionary-giving, missionary-loving church. We have prayer chains, and you'll have thousands, perhaps tens of thousands of people praying for your husband, father. And they were weeping. Now, there was no profession of faith, but the entire atmosphere changed. They were in my region. They needed to see Christ, not some angry Uber driver with them because of the being disrespectful in the beginning, but respecting them, understanding the reason they're saying what they're saying and how they're saying it and going forth. Paul had a desire to see souls saved, to see churches planted, and he was full of divine compassion and full of the Holy Spirit. This combination of divine fullness called him forward to go beyond. Now for you and for me, that means we want to go beyond our sphere of influence. And look out around us. Is there someone over there that has a need? Someone over there who could use a smile or a Hey, how are you doing today? Is there anything I can do to help you? Look at Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. And verse 20. Yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. He was attuned to and willing to take the gospel, indeed be the gospel, where it wasn't at the present time. What is meant by the call from the regions beyond? Exactly what is this call? Well, I believe it's the call of need and opportunity. 
It is the kind of call that comes from a field ripened for harvest. This was the call that Jesus gave to his disciples at Samaria. He said very clearly to them, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, so kind of wake up. I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Can we put it this way? What are you waiting for? For the preacher to ask you one more time? For the deacon to knock on your door? For the trustee to tell you about a project? For the nursery captain to say, hey, we need help in the nursery? So when people come, they see that we're well-manned, staffed, whether we have children in there or not, we're ready. We have a spirit of anticipation. What are you waiting for? The fields are white. The time is now. And there's going to come a time, we all know this, where it'll be too late. There won't be fields of harvest for us. There's only coming God's judgment. God's judgment upon this earth, this people who have rejected him. But now, now it's our day of opportunity. You know, many say, I've never heard a call. Eh, I don't believe it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm not saying you're a liar, and hopefully you've never said that. But there are men who say, oh, I've never heard a call. I don't think it's true. Any informed Christian who knows about the conditions in the world today and who knows about the command of Christ to his church has heard the call. It's not that we're ignorant. We're lazy. It was either lazy or disobedient. You can take whichever one you want. <laughs> I think they both fit. But we're not ignorant. We, we can't say we don't know. It's been made very, very clear. Jesus said, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. You think it's changed in the last 2,000 years? I don't. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. This is the call that every Christian has heard at one time or another. No believer can say, I've never heard a call. That's the Apostle Paul. The call from the regions beyond. There's another call, and that is the call from the region above. We're going beyond, now we go above. After Jesus had completed his earthly mission and was ready to return to his father's right hand, the last words on his lips were, where do you think the last words of Jesus' lips are found in the scriptures? Quick, give me a guess. Popcorn. Acts? Who, who said it? Oh, Andrew, very good. Right. A lot of people want to jump to Revelation. And there's some words there, but 
Acts chapter 1, verse 8 and verse 9. Ye shall be witnesses unto me. We know that verse very well. The Lord Jesus Christ, as he was going to leave this earth, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. The risen Lord exalted to that heavenly region is still calling. Who shall I send? Who will go for us? In Isaiah 6, 8. He is still calling for men and women to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Be it either as full-time Christian vocational ministry or whatever vocation he has gifted you with and put you in. Whether it's Mike at the bowling alley, Tyler and his IT work, whatever it is you're doing, we're missionaries. We've been compelled, we've been called to be a witness. It's as though Christ were looking down on us from the ramparts of heaven, now saying, go! Oh, he said that in Matthew, in the Gospels. That's part of the Great Commission. I just thought I'd remind us tonight. Go. When his voice came to Isaiah, the prophet answered, Here am I. Send me. Is that your attitude? Is that your obedience? God then told Isaiah, go and tell this people. He who is now in the region above at the throne of God is the one who died for all. And he now lives to make intercession for all who have come to God the Father through him, through his sacrificial death on Calvary. He paid for your sins and mine that we don't have to experience an eternal death but can have everlasting life. And we'll see him one day either by death or by rapture and be forever in his presence. He bore the sins of all. He suffered for all. He loves all. He longs for all to come to the knowledge of the truth. Whosoever will may believe and be saved. Someday, we who are now in the region on this earth will stand before him. And we will give an account of our response to his call, an account of our response to his command, an account of our response to his commission. Paul called it the judgment seat of Christ. It's not we blink and we're in glory. It's we blink and we're standing with Jesus Christ. The one-on-one -on -one interview And we've not seen the type of magnifying glass that the x-ray eyes of Jesus will put upon you and upon me and our life. Anyone who has studied the scriptures must admit, must admit that he has indeed heard the call of Christ. And that call still comes from him in the region above. But there's a third call. And that's the call from the region below. In Luke chapter 16, verses 27 and 28, we have the 
parable or the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And we know that account very well. In this story, the rich man who died went to Hades. A lost soul calls from the region below, begging for a messenger to testify of salvation and judgment to his own people still on the earth. There's much sorrow in this call. He begs, lest they also come into this place of torment. If we were to look at that passage, we'd see that the word torment appears five times. It's a real place. Torment, torment, torment. If this lost soul in Hades called for a messenger or a missionary to go to the people still on earth, is it not to be understood that thousands or perhaps even millions of others have the same cry? My, my grandmother was 94 years old when she went into eternity. I was, I don't laugh, I was a young man back then, and I was a young preacher in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. We'd just gotten back from Iowa from visiting my family, visiting my grandmother, She'd only been home a few days when we got the call that she had died. She had wanted me to do her funeral. I couldn't. After six granddaughters, I was the first grandson born to her in my, her family. I was spoiled rotten. I loved my grandmother with every ounce of being in my body. And I gave her the gospel. And I gave her the gospel. And I gave her the gospel. And she'd always look at me, oh, buddy, that's what she called me. I don't know why. Buddy, it's okay. I'm all right. But grandmother, it's all right. I'm all right. Even that last visit, now in the nursing home, I gave her the gospel. I'm all right. I'm all right. You know, I, I hope she was, but I have no biblical assurance, no testimony from our time together on earth that I'll ever see my grandmother again. The sobering thing about this call from the region below is that only the living people of God can respond to it. Only we can give the gospel to other living individual. No one can go to the dead. The dead can't come back to us. If they're going to be reached, they must be reached today. Now is the day of salvation. And the fourth and final call, the call from the inner region of the heart. In Acts chapter 13 and verse 2, the Holy Spirit said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And later on in Acts 16, we learn that the Holy Spirit spoke to the missionaries, showed them where they should go, what they could preach, 
And following this, the vision of the man in Macedonia, and we read that they realized that the Lord had called them to preach the gospel unto them. The Holy Spirit indwells every Christian. Every Christian has his own mysterious, inimitable way of conveying the specific call of God to individual Christians. You and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will tell you through the word of God as you're alone with him. The three calls previously mentioned are calls that every Christian has heard or can hear. This is the individual call that lets each Christian know. Each Christian know exactly where he or she is to fulfill God's plan and God's purpose for his life. A Christian who fails to obey what might be called the general call, as I mentioned earlier, will probably never, never hear the individual call on his own life. But those who respond to the calls, which all can hear, will have trained their ear, will hear the voice of the Holy Spirit at the proper time, and they'll hear the prophet Isaiah's words, this is the way, walk ye in it. You know, a soldier in the army hears the specific orders of his commanders because at an earlier time, he responded to a general call for volunteers. He received the necessary training, was placed at the command of the proper officer in due time. It's the same for us as Christians. Those who hear the general call of God and who respond by placing their lives at his disposal and receiving the proper training will hear the specific instruction of the great captain, the Lord Jesus Christ. And when the time comes for them to know and to march, they go in the confidence and in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Perhaps tonight, you're here and your journey begins with the decision of salvation. Coming first, volunteering to agree with God that you're a sinner. You recognize he died for you and you want to ask him to save you. Then the joy begins. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for the privilege you've afforded us to look together into your word and to look at the various calls that you put upon our life, Lord. And Lord, there is no greater call than to call one to salvation by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's our prayer tonight, if there's anyone here who does not know Christ as personal Savior and Lord, that this may be a night of salvation for them. As we draw the service to a close tonight, I think of a twofold invitation. One first, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, right where you are, you can do that tonight. You right where you are, you can just utter these words. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for me. 
Lord Jesus, the best I know how, I'm asking you to save me, to make me your child and take me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, help me to live for you. If you prayed that prayer tonight and believe it in all of your heart, then God saved you. He wants to be your Savior. He wants to be your Lord. But you must believe in him that he alone is the son of the living God and he died for your sins. He rose from the grave and one day again soon, he's coming again. The second part is, are you hearing that specific call tonight? The call to the inner region of your heart? Oh, I want to believe with all my heart that God is still in the business of calling men and women at full-time Christian vocational ministry. I don't believe for a moment that he stopped. And I believe if there's a problem, it's with us. That we're not in tune. We don't recognize his voice. And the, the pull of the world is so strong in our life that we think we are losing something to serve the King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, we ask you tonight to glorify yourself. Work in our midst, Father. Let us know that we've met with you. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.